everybody. Welcome to the Fiction File Podcast, where we explore the wide world of narrative entertainment, from movies to literature and everything in between. My name is Jason Boyd. I'm the editor of Fiction File, and I'm joined remotely today by managing editor Corrine Asbell. Hi, Corrine. Hello. Also, somewhere in cyberspace, we have associate editor Dalton McKay. Good day to you, Dalton. And to you, sir. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. All right. Well, we're all in good cheer. Uh, So today we'll be pouring over a single work of fiction. Uh, After we introduce this work of art, uh, we'll be discussing what makes it enjoyable, what makes it a work of art in the first place, what makes it universally relatable. And finally, we'll talk about what it could have done better. So now that we have our format, what piece of narrative entertainment are we talking about today, Corrine? We're going to be looking at Raiders of the Lost Ark, which was later marketed as Indiana Jones in the Raiders of the Lost Ark. The film was released on June 12, 1981 by Paramount Pictures, starring Harrison Ford, Karen Allen, and Paul Freeman. Raiders was directed by Steven Spielberg, the screenplay written by Lawrence Kasdan, produced by Frank Marshall, and all began as a story in George Lucas's head. It's considered one of the best action-adventure movies of all time, and in 1999, it was included in the U.S. Library of Congress's National Film Registry as a culturally, historical, or aesthetically significant film. As the Third Reich continues its reign of terror, Adolf Hitler is on a quest for the legendary Ark of the Covenant, resting place of the Ten Commandments, whose supernatural powers, legend says, can wipe out entire armies. The U.S. government turns to Dr. Indiana Jones for the mission. Relentlessly pursued by Hitler's henchmen, Indy infiltrates their massive digging operation in a race against time to discover the Well of Souls, where the Ark has lain undisturbed for centuries. All right, cool. Well, uh, I'm ready to watch the movie. Uh, Too bad I've already seen this before. Uh, So let's go over the... (laughs) Let's go over the... uh, critical kind of uh, consensus. Um, so on IMDb, uh, it's right now sitting at 8.4 out of 10 stars. Uh, Metacritic has it at 85 uh, as a meta score. That's actually pretty good. Um, yeah, for today, Rotten yeah. Tomatoes. Yeah, yeah, like Metacritic is brutal. Uh, so Rotten Tomatoes, uh, critics have it at 95% and audience have it at 96%. So, uh, I think we've got it. Um, if you guys haven't seen this one uh, at home, you might want to watch it first. Also, uh, where have you been? Gonna, Well, you know, <laughs> people were born after this was made. I'm not going to judge. Uh, there's a Gen Zers listening, hopefully. But, yes, where have you been? Uh, but go watch it now. Pause this. Come back, because uh, we're going to be spoiling it. So, if you don't want to be spoiled, uh, too bad. So much All right, so let's. Exactly. Yeah, there's a plot twist. Um, Okay, so let's start with what makes Raiders of the Lost Ark enjoyable? See, I'd say it'd have to be the characters. I mean, you can look at the movie if it's well written and beautifully filmed and stuff like that. If the characters don't have any kind of depth, it's going to be a lackluster movie. I mean, personally, I think Harrison Ford was the best casting choice for Indiana Jones. He truly makes the role his own. Uh, he makes Indiana as a smart, charming rogue. He's persistent. No matter t- how many times he gets beat up or captured, he still gets back up and he heads on through the temple looking for the Ark. He can hold his own in a fight and look good while doing it. 
That's probably the hat, though. And then, honestly, I think Marion Ravenwood is probably the best female lead in any of the Indiana Jones movies. She's kind of a badass, and not just because she can drink so many people under the table. She's ruthless. She takes advantage of any opportunities. When she gets captured, she uses every chance she can to escape and has no problem using every weapon available to her, whether it's going to be her sexuality or an actual weapon. And she isn't afraid to get her hands dirty. And to me, those just those two characters being the different archetypes that they are just really make this film. They play off each other really well. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and uh, let's get uh, Dalton, let's chime in on those points before we move on right. uh, to yours. But um, yeah, I, I agree that really it's a character focused uh, story. And I think Harrison Ford honestly carries the movie uh, as he's kind of supposed to in this role. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, this definitely was of that era where the lead actor of an action movie was the only person recognizable. Uh, and it was definitely like where, hey, you know, he's going to be he's going to have 10 times more dialogue than everyone else. Mm -hmm. uh, and he was great for it. So uh, really couldn't have been without him. Yeah. Uh, so, hard. yeah. I'm gonna say it's hard to believe that George Lucas didn't even want to cast him to begin with. Yeah, it was uh, Tom Selleck, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. And yeah. when that fell through because of the Magnum P.I., I think, TV show filming. Uh, George Lucas still was kind of hesitant because he had just come off Star Wars, but he got the right yeah. man in the end. Yeah, you know, I can't wait to go to that Magnum P.I. ride at uh, Universal Studios. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, Tom Snellick. <laughs> Tom yeah, Snellick. Like, just imagine for a minute Tom Selleck in this in this role. <laughs> and the mustache. Like, uh, the, just, Yeah. Or, you know, digitally edited lip. <laughs> I don't think ILM was quite at that levels back in the 80s. Nah. Nah. Yeah, I just don't know that. I mean, it, it probably would not have been a horrible movie, but it probably wouldn't just have uh, the charm because he would have taken himself way seriously, like way more seriously than Harrison Ford takes oh, yeah. himself in movies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Dalton, uh, what what do you think makes uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark enjoyable? Well, to me, th this movie has charisma. I mean, it's it's adventure, it's humor, it it has a it has a really uh, kind of a unique setting. Uh, it, it's sort of a timeless setting, even though they're fighting Nazis. I mean, we're fighting Nazis today, but like, uh, there's really not a huge. Uh, tell as to what era this movie is is set in um you can watch it at any time and it, it it's uh it, it it's exactly the same um something else that it's enjoyable the the musical score um like J john williams definitely makes this movie more enjoyable uh i don't know if you guys ever watched uh, wishbone back in the day did you the guys TV ever, show? Yeah, with the dog, the Jack Russell Terrier. Of course, he's adorable. Yeah, so um, for for those of you who don't know who Wishbone is, he's a he's a Jack Russell Terrier that talks, and he uh, used to be on um, 
oh what was it pbs yeah pbs yeah and he used to he used to read us stories only in you know through the eyes of wishbone a highly intelligent jack russell terrier dog um but there was one episode where they did uh david versus goliath and they did a behind the scenes uh with the actor that plays goliath coming out of the tent uh and then they they played it again with no music and it 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 like changed the way that i i think of things like to this day um so music definitely uh impacts this uh, the, the entire movie so um and characters as as Corrine said um but really like everything that combines together to create the ambiance behind the characters is equally important and and creates that enjoyment to me yeah that is true i would say that um the score really does help and you know having john williams do it means it's automatically going to be amazing score so yeah i couldn't imagine the movie without the underlying music yeah, and uh, speaking of Wishbone, I'm pretty sure Wishbone played uh, Indiana Jones uh, in a few episodes. I'm sure he, at least once. Like, yeah. It'd be too cute to see him as Indiana Jones. Uh, <laughs> but yes, no, I agree. So my take, um, you know, yeah, I do think the characters, the ambiance, um, I think all of that uh, plays into it, but... To me, the thing that makes the film is the humor uh, because it's just enough that it makes it fun, mm -hmm. but yet uh, you don't disbelieve it or take it too lightly. You do think that there's life and death, um, and it's that kind of roguish, roguish humor uh, that it almost pioneered, uh, really Harrison Ford kind of is the model for that mm -hmm. um and it's just you know you can make a good action movie you can set it in a great location you can you know do all of this but the uh uh the the humor is what kind of makes it to me most uh just fun to watch mm -hmm. now i also i kind of just have this theory that i think people in america just really love sand Unless you're Anakin um, Skywalker, <laughs> right? But he's but he's not in America. So, again, my point uh, is that people in America, I think, just love sand. I mean, I feel like honestly, if I was going to direct a movie today, I would just uh, set it in a desert somewhere uh, and go to the desert, like you know Tunisia, and it would be a blockbuster. I I I don't know of a movie that was set in the desert that actually went to the desert that wasn't a hit. That's a valid point. You, this is the stretch. Just remember, when you take your movie to Tunisia, be like Spielberg, eat nothing but canned food, and drink bottled water. You don't want to be sick like the entire cast was of, you know, the Indiana Jones. Well, it's a it's a good thing that my uh, movie is about canned food. Uh, it's going to be a canned food odyssey set in the desert of Tunisia. I like it already. Let's get rolling on the filming. <laughs> Thanks so much. All right. So 
<laughs> let's get rolling with the podcast. How about that? But uh, all right, let's move on. So I think uh, we've all agreed that people love sand. Uh, what makes Raiders of the Lost Ark a work of art? So let me uh, let me start with this one. Uh, I think honestly, the thing that really makes it a work of art, which to me means that it's going to have a lasting cultural significance, uh, that it's actually something that elevates it above just a normal movie that's just for entertainment, is uh, intertextuality. So intertextuality is basically where different genres and different works of fiction uh, or narrative entertainment in general uh, speak to one another. So they rely on one another's uh, they rely on the audience or reader's awareness of the other. Uh, so they almost develops a shorthand because of your familiarity with other things. So we know that they were, uh, you know, Lucas was heavily influenced by action adventure film serials of the 1930s and 1940s. Uh, Steven Spielberg wanted to do a James Bond movie, and that was actually his. Uh, impetus for this because George Lucas brought up to him as an alternative we could do this Indiana Jones character I have and Spielberg actually called it uh, James Bond without the hardware <laughs> uh, which I mean he has hardware there he's got the whip but still you know I guess it's not that hard it's flexible uh, and strangely enough a lot of the the traps in this movie like the boulder scene and a lot of just the deadly traps were lifted out of Uncle Scrooge comic books. So that's Uncle Scrooge, like Scrooge McDuck of the, you know, uh, of DuckTales Duck fame. Chain. You have DuckTales fame. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and so, which that's just an odd piece of trivia. But um, <laughs> you have, you just have those kind of old, you know, campy stories of elaborate traps set by ancient civilizations. And that's such a big part of Indiana Jones. Uh, and so that that there, elements of comedy, uh, you know, they just uses modern comedy for a film set in, you know, wartime in the 30s and 40s. Um, and also, I mean, let's not forget that this is a fantasy movie at its core. Uh, this is, uh, you know, whether you believe in, you know, religion or not, you have uh, in the power of, you know, religion – and some of these artifacts like the Ark of the Covenant, uh, it has real power in the world that you have to, you have to agree is supernatural. And it, it's basically enters into that fantasy realm oh, yeah. uh, where, you know, you have magic basically exists. Uh, and so that's just a lot of things in a stew, in a soup. And to me, it can, can kind of stand out uh, as culturally significant because it does speak for more than just itself. Uh, so to me, that's the thing that makes it more than just a fun movie. Um, but yeah. So that being said, let's, uh, Corrine, what, what do you think makes this uh, work of art? Personally, it's got to be the opening scene. I mean... You can think about it. It's probably one of the best film sequences ever. It's starting us off showing us the, fi the finish to another adventure that we didn't see. 
you know, which is another callback to the earlier cliffhangers that were famous in the 30s and 40s. And then you've got the pacing of the shots. It's slow and with the wider shots to show how calm it is up until they get to the booby traps and how smart Indy is, you know, with the, I think it was a torch, the wooden thing that he blocks the air dots from, air darts. And then as he walks up toward the idol, you see him, the closer closing in and you see the better shots showing him moving and you can see him dodging the pit, pratfalls on the floor pitfalls i forgot the word i'm sorry yeah and then as he switches out the sand for the golden idol the shots then become short and tighter they're showing how things are going wrong and it's just an amazing visual story just in the first few minutes and i think it's the best way we could be introduced to indiana jones and then it's just the little details that went into the filmmaking i mean you think about again back to that first scene with all the spiders crawling over Satipo, and those were actual tarantulas. And they just used male spiders, and they wouldn't move. It's not not visual effects or anything like that. They just had these spiders that were just kind of sitting there on the sky until Spielberg had them put a female spider, and then there was all these spiders just crawling over Alfred Molina, and he's just freaking out while they're filming. And then there's dealing with stuff like the snakes and the well of souls, the details they went into, they originally wanted, they had like 2,000 snakes, which is kind of a lot right. and enough to freak you out to begin with. But that was enough for Spielberg. When they went ahead and shot the scene after he demanded more snakes, it was with 10,000 snakes. Yeah. And it's, it's just the little details, like um, just things like that that really just make the movie just practically art. Yeah. You know, uh, 10,000 Snakes is the name of my punk band. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, great great points, Corrine, honestly. Uh, really great points and good bit of trivia uh, there. Yeah, That's a lot cool. of... Uh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, a lot of my uh, artistic um, reasoning... Uh, was based around the practical effects uh, uh, utilized in the film uh, because that that's something that I think isn't utilized enough anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, there's such a heavy reliance on CG and whatnot that it, it, it drives me nuts. Uh, one of the greatest films of this generation, I think, so far has been uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Right. Uh, and that was pretty much all practical effects. There were hardly any, if any, CG uh, shots in it. Um, so it's, and so an argument can't really be made that well CG just makes it better because it it doesn't. You know, it, there, there's such a um, uh, just a weightlessness to to those effects where. Uh, things like, you know, 10,000 actual snakes and real tarantulas and real sounds uh, will, you know, give give gravitas to, to, to it. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot easier to uh, act scared of snakes when there's 10,000 of them. Yeah. Um, like, you don't have to be Harrison Ford to act that way. 
Well, you know, Harrison actually said, I'm calling him Harrison clearly because, you know, we're You're on first name. Yeah, you have a first yeah, name basis. Um, Harrison Ford actually said once that when asked about the snakes, he goes, it's just acting. So Indiana Jones is scared to death of Cobra snakes, but Harrison Ford, not so much. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he was just, just cool as petting, a cucumber. Just petting them behind the scenes. <laughs> right. So let, let's move on, but um, Dawn, I'm going to shoot this to you for the first uh, round, but what makes Raiders of the Lost Ark universally relatable? Universally relatable. Uh, well... I think that it is a film that was born from a thirst for adventure. Uh, I mean, let's see, th this is mm. the same era. Uh, this is the era of star Wars, you know? Um, yeah. Let's see. This came out, I think before empire, right? I believe so. This, no, this, this, no, this was, this uh, original was what? 77. Yes. You might be right. I've forgotten. I've so, forgotten. Uh, I, Empire I, Strikes Back was in the 80s, 1980. Yeah, okay, yeah, 1980. Okay. And it was um, 83 was what I was thinking of. Okay. So, a year after Empire Strikes Back comes out, um, mm -hmm. you know, we're we're left with this, this void of adventure. Uh, right. And so, this comes along to, to fill that void and it has been filled in such a way uh, that it elevates the, the average man. So in Indiana Jones is not just, uh, I mean, the, the name has been become synonymous with some sort of folk legend God. Uh, but in actuality, you know, Indiana is a, well, I wouldn't say an average man, but he's an, he's an above average man. Um, who takes the place of the hero? Uh, he's he's not he doesn't have superpowers or anything. He uses his wits, uh, sort of like Batman in a sense. You know that's why everybody likes right. Batman. Um, but we it's have like James Bond. Yeah, yeah. So we have the above average man. Uh, we have a strong female cohort. Uh, she's not a damsel in distress. Uh, so you you can you could look. You could look to the the female cohort as a female viewer and be like, "Oh, th this movie has something for me." Um, mm. You know, uh, That's uh, true. yeah. Thinking on it, is, is she a Disney princess now? Can we make her a Disney princess? Guys, Disney yeah. own indiana jones no they don't but you know no. what I, i'll allow it i'll oh, we allow just assume disney owns everything anyway <laughs> you know what yes they will anyway let's just proactively call uh her uh disney princess i think she fits in she looks like one she certainly has that kind of classic look uh very the wide-eyed um, yeah it looks kind of like uh, what's it bell from beauty of the beast yeah but yeah they're great points dalton and and honestly um I think you're kind of right on with that because Return of the Jedi came out in 1983. There we go. And so it was right after Empire Strikes Back, which, uh, spoiler alert for Empire Strikes Back, um, you know, Han Solo gets put in carbonite. Mm -hmm. And so 
you do kind of have an interesting um, play there where he's putting Carbonite and people are left kind of thinking, well, what's going to happen to Han Solo? It's a cliffhanger. And <laughs> then the next year they get to see their favorite actor character or whatnot um, burst out and have fun and be alive. So it's almost like seeing like Han come out of the Carbonite early. Yeah, so, so a, interesting. A carbonite dream. Raise, raise your hand. Raise, I raised my hand. <laughs> so, so <laughs> interesting thought, though. Uh, what if Indiana Jones was Han Solo's uh, carbonite dream? Oh, you Ooh. know, you're onto something now. I, I think I might be onto something there. I mean, you Can know. You, um, he, can, he can you imagine? The... Did you raise your <laughs> Can you imagine though how people might have been worried after Empire comes out, seeing Han Solo's fate up in the air, you know, and then Indiana Jones comes out and they're like, "Oh man, what if this is a sign that, you know, Han Solo is not ever coming out of Carbonite because Harrison Ford's moved on." Oh yeah, that is true. I could I could imagine being someone back then and thinking, "Oh, what if the rumors are true?" <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of layers there, uh, and then the intertextuality again. Back to my wonderful point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, uh, uh, so, some, so that that plays in, you know. Some other things that make it sort of universal. Not only you know is it about the the every man and the every woman, um, but it's a story about good and evil, uh, and mm-hmm. it. Also, it, it is not overly sexual, but it is not sexless. Uh, it has violence, but it's not gratuitous. Uh, so I guess what I'm saying is it's basically what Disney could choose to be, uh, but at present is actively <laughs> avoiding. I like it. Yeah. No, that's a good point. And um, yeah, it's a little something for everyone. Uh, it's, it's got all the essential ingredients. So, so for me, I, you know, I think that you, you hit upon something there with it being, you know, about humans essentially. And mm-hmm. I think Indiana Jones does have a lot going for him, uh, especially in later movies. He becomes almost invincible. Sure. Um, he survives nuclear attacks, <laughs> uh, nuclear bombs. I, I don't know we if don't I want to talk about the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> but the uh that's another spoiler for a later time uh but he does have faults uh in this first movie in particular that we see where he's you know he's maybe selfish he's foolhardy you know he's kind of cocky um so we almost can trick ourselves into thinking we could be him just because he's just human enough um, but, you know, I think the big thing to me that makes this relatable, and this is actually funny enough, a huge Disney thing, is nostalgia. A hundred percent. And So it's funny that you mentioned Disney earlier. Um, but so it's totally it's it's not only nostalgic now because it was such a big deal at the time. And it's part of, you know, I think I was actually technically born after this movie came out. Uh, but Same. it's still nostalgic for my childhood. Okay, well, technically as in actually. Um, <laughs> but, but I was bored after this movie came out, but yet it's still m- part of my childhood, I feel. Like I I was shocked to see that it was released so early. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it's also it's nostalgic for those action adventure serials that George Lucas was inspired by. Mm-hmm. Um, and through George Lucas ripping off things, he made a nostalgic movie. Uh, so, and and it works for now nostalgia for that era of 80s filmmaking uh with the action adventure and the sweaty guy with his chest bare um so to me it just uh. it, so many layers <laughs> well i didn't mean to get you guys all hot but we oh, were... let me find a fan real quick <laughs> yes exactly cold showers in order <laughs> but yeah, I think I think that it has uh, nostalgia in droves. But let's let's see, Kareem, what what do you think makes it uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark universally relatable? Well, I mean, I'm just gonna go right on beating this dead horse here. We've been talking about and the characters of Indiana Jones. I mean, personally, I don't feel so much as that he's you know the every man that you can just see that everyone has the potential they could be Indiana Jones because of his flaws. But I just think the fact that he does have the these deep flaws, and they do put a lot of emphasis on it. I mean, if you look at it, Indiana Jones messes up a lot. He's arrogant, and he's somehow naive at the same time. If you think about how many times he gets fooled by the people he works with. But overall, he's a layered and well-written character, and we actively root for him to succeed, despite his humanity the flaws and things that he has and the faults we're looking at this guy and we're like we want him to succeed we want him to win we want him to get everything that he's striving for and i think it's just it's an amazing story from a narrative standpoint and is a great example of a plot driven of plot driven storytelling i agree yeah no i i definitely agree um and I, I don't think you can beat on that uh, horse, which I love beating on dead horses. Uh, but I don't think you can do that too much with this, uh, with the, talking about the character, because it's mm-hmm. it's in the title. I mean, well, the later title that they remarketed it as, but then future films, it's it, Indiana Jones is the movie. It's mm-hmm. whatever the subtitle is, is that installment. Yeah. Uh, so, of yeah, the, absolutely. The only three movies, period, that were ever made. Because we don't talk about that. And for those of you just joining us, uh, we uh, we're not actually beating dead horses, so don't don't at us. No, I don't own a horse, uh, and <laughs> I would only us, beat yeah. one if I owned one. But no, I won't. <laughs> I wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> I'd have. To, that's where I draw the line. I will not beat a horse I don't own. Uh, but all right, well. While PETA prepares their statement, um, uh, let's move on to the next topic, which would be what could Raiders of the Lost Ark have done better? So, Kareem, why don't you start us off? I think what they could have done better is they could have had stronger female role models. models. I mean, I enjoy Marion. I talked about her earlier, how she is such a good character. Mm-hmm. I mean, but she's still stuck in the archetype of a damsel in distress. Like, she can't escape herself. She has to be rescued. You know, she doesn't really, like, she doesn't really have, like, a life plan or anything like that other than to just, you know, 
she's gonna drink everyone under the table things like that and just touching in this movie alone not even talking about the other movies that come up she could be a better role model for young women and girls today i think i mean it would just not even take that much just i mean she let her rescue herself you know there's a classic scene all the time where someone rescues themselves and then right as their rescuer comes up you know that wouldn't have taken anything from the movie and it would just establish her as a stronger character yeah i think i think i would have liked that i think i would have liked to see her uh it would have been a really good uh humorous point for back then as well maybe not so humorous now but yeah uh, to, to see him charging up on his maybe literal white horse <laughs> and she's running out the the back of the tent. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think that just would have made it. I mean, it's a great movie, but just give me a little bit more girl power. Little more girl power. Girl could not agree. Cannot be enough girl power. Um, okay, so I, I do agree with that, um, and I think that. It's kind of a, it is a double-edged sword where of that time, mm -hmm. uh, she was a pretty, uh, pretty stark contrast to normal action and adventure heroines, um, or damsels or Disney princesses, but yet she still does, you know, she's not quite, you know, 21st century female lead or anything. Yeah. Um. So let's see, uh, Dalton, what, what do you think uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark could have done better? Honestly, uh, this, was, this was difficult for me. Uh, it, was, it was difficult right. for me to do um, both of the movies that, uh, that we were going to be talking about today. I mean, not, not that we're talking about another movie right now, but anyway. <laughs> we're a one-movie kind of guy here. Yeah. yeah. Hey. Uh, girl power didn't we just talk about this yes i'm sorry i didn't mean to refer to we as a guy thank you go ahead dalton please all right thank you uh <laughs> but uh most of my suggestions to improve the film probably would have destroyed the integrity of the film i mean it's it's a singular vision and it does well uh what many films today simply don't uh it, it mm -hmm. doesn't try to please everybody uh it's Indiana in the beginning, um, he is a he is a deeply flawed character and everything, but um, he is the beginning of a new archetypical hero. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were explorer characters before um, Alan Quartermain springs to mind, which is probably half of the inspiration behind this character. Um, but Indiana Jones, either because of or in spite of his Hollywood success, became the face of adventure. I mean, when people when people put on explorer quote unquote clothes, it's all, it right. always looks like Indiana Jones. Um, but if somebody were to say you're making all the decisions, and we also want this film to be three hours long, and we don't care about pacing, um, I probably would have made higher stakes for Indy. Uh, specifically for having to choose between his teaching job and his life as a professional treasure seeker, because we get a little bit of that. Um, and actually, I don't remember yeah. if it's in Raiders uh, where 
the 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 scene where the the girl closes her eyes and says love me do you get you remember that i don't know if that was in that one or the next one but yeah, yeah. there was uh you did see him and get that idea that he's universally uh loved by the ladies in his class and but it was but, short yeah and just dis- dis- and it's really short and it has to be short because that's not the focus of the film you know we don't right. we don't really care about him as a professor but what if we did like what if not only was he a professor um you know and like his students are counting on him for their grades and he's got a you know he's facing all those problems that an actual professor might face like you know uh <laughs> Uh, he's he's out there uh grabbing relics in international waters and then like uh you know he suddenly remembers oh, i have to get papers in by this thursday and then he gets punched in the face you know <laughs> like uh <laughs> like i want to see that i want to see his struggle um and he's not married he has no children well until spoilers no, we found no. out but yeah spoilers for fourth movie but anyway i i don't really i don't really count the fourth movie um yeah uh, none of us do it was a carbonite dream inside of a carbonite there dream. you go I, and i have a, i have a story for the opening of the fourth movie i don't know if we're gonna do crystal skull for one of these, podcasts. no, I think we're only doing good movies. <laughs> okay, so I'll I'll go ahead and tell I'll tell my story maybe at the end. Uh, but basically, I, have you guys played uh, the Uncharted series? Uh, oh Nathan my god, Drake? yes, I love sure. Nathan Drake. Okay, so in Uncharted, Nathan Drake starts off kind of the same way. He's he's a loner. He doesn't really have anything. Uh, oh, uh, uh, spoilers for the Uncharted series if you haven't played it. Uh, stop listening now and come back in like five minutes. Uh, but he starts off as a loner. He doesn't really have anything take uh, tethering him back from becoming this this you know treasure hunter. But um, as we get more deeper into the story and he slowly acquires new people that he's supposed to care about, especially in uh, Thief's End, the the, the final. Uh, Nathan Drake question mark uh, chapter we see him struggle with the fact that now he has a wife that he has to contend with um, and he has, a, he has a good life he has a steady job one that he enjoys uh, but then like the call of adventure is, is always pulling on him and it's, it's like a, it's a demon that he uh, rather than like a character um What's the word I'm looking for here? It's it's like uh, rather than being something that is inherently good about his character and cool and awesome that he's a he's a treasure hunter, it becomes his own personal demon. And I thought that was like really interesting. And to have that same thing, that same treatment done to Indy, I think would have would be uh, would have been something cool to explore. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. I that is a good idea of like to see him have more of a a problem because it just looks like he teaches when he wants to and then he jet sets off to go discover some treasure and save it from the nazis so yeah i think that is a good thing but i do also agree with you said that would kind of really slow down the movie yeah and, and it, it's it's not what the movie's about it, mm-hmm. 
the the movie's about adventure and it, like i said everything that i would suggest to make it quote unquote better would just destroy what it is yeah i i think that maybe what they should do is just do a and especially as indiana jones is getting older you know he's elderly so he's less mobile <laughs> they should do an entire movie where he's just being a professor and they can call that Indiana Jones hitting the books. Oh my God. <laughs> and he can just be facing grading challenges. Maybe there's like a smart Alec student that he's got to like rear in, you know, and they don't really believe that he's a rough and tumble guy. Cause he's so old, you know, but like, Oh, he'll teach him. He brings out his whip, you know, and that's a whole scene. And then he falls down and breaks a hip exactly but uh no that's not yeah because of a door hitting him on a star wars set but oh, jesus <laughs> sorry <laughs> but uh but you you make a good point that it is kind of like what's this guy actually do for a living like what's his actual job because he gives all of his artifacts to the museum i mean those uh, that can recover right exactly so it's like you know we don't get a sense of him being a real person uh mm -hmm. Uh, at least not more than a snippet. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that that would kind of slow down the film. You know, to me, I think, honestly, you're right in that pretty much most changes are going to kind of derail the film uh, from what it is. Um, but one thing I, I do want to bring up is that, you know, there is kind of a, and I think we're run into this problem a lot with movies that were made before 2000, uh, but it's kind of just where are the people of color? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, you. I know that you, you might not want everyone to be a person of color because it's set in, you know, a Nazi-like time, uh, and that's going to make the story something that it isn't now. You know, it's going to be uh, – and also you didn't have, you know, say African-American professors of archaeology during the time. I, I can understand that, but then we have the character of uh, Sala, played by uh, John Rhys Davies. So John Rhys Davies, who also played the uh, uh, dwarf in Lord of the Rings, Gimli, hmm. he's a Welshman, and he's playing a character named Sala Muhammad Faisal El Kahir. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, John does have a bit of a tan, but he's not, you know, uh, I looked heavily into this and I couldn't see any kind of a trace of ethnicity in him other than just being from Wales. Uh, and he actually, uh, in 2004, made some anti-Muslim comments. Ooh. He he called the growing population in Europe of uh, of muslim population in europe a demographic catastrophe that threatened western civilization are you ruining so, are you ruining lord of the rings for me right now well Lord of the rings <laughs> and indiana jones i'm just trying to ruin all of it oh man but uh, you know that's just that ha that does have to be said because i feel like it's Mm, you know, and there's there's some stereotyping and just general racism along those lines, too. Mm -hmm. uh, and, I mean, to what extent do you write that off as a symptom of the times? And, you know, to what extent is that still not acceptable? Because 
you know, regardless of what the times were, was, you know, we make this, we're making this out to be a universally relatable, memorable story, but it's not universally relatable and it's not, you know, something that maybe we want to carry forward. So if I, if I had to change something that would make it more conducive to these elements that we're looking for, uh, it would be to handle those issues of, of color and ethnicity a little bit more delicately uh, and, you know, respectfully. Yeah. A more diverse cast. Yeah. Yeah. Actual, you know, actual uh, people from the area that you're casting from would probably be a good uh, start. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think looking, I'm, I, I was curious as you were talking, so I'm kind of like looking at, uh, the fourth movie, because that was definitely released after 2000. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm like, it still has the same problem. It looks mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. like you, you go to like, if you Google Indiana Jones and King of the Crystal Skull cast, it's like, Oh, all the way down. And like uh, ridiculous. So yeah, you, you, yeah. You may have something there. We, we still have well, a problem with it. I mean, it's one of those, you, you, I slowly find myself re-examining my childhood idols. Uh, but, you know, it's still a good movie otherwise. Um, yeah. But let's, let's, let's just, uh, you know, that had to be said. But to move on, let's, let's, let's talk about our final thoughts about the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, let's just go over anything that, like, you know, maybe we want to just summarize last thoughts before we uh, close out the podcast. Um, I'll start by just saying, you know, really, I think it's just nostalgia. This is just a nostalgia film, and it's nostalgia for uh, more racially uh, divisive times, maybe, too. Uh, but I feel like it's a time capsule type movie um, mm-hmm. and kind of have to watch it with a. Um, an eye toward that. And I think it's already that because I mean, it's a movie set in time. It's a historical piece. Mm -hmm. And now it's being seen as a historical piece of the time that it was made. So it's, I feel like you have to view this through a lens of uh, biographical fact instead of just textual. Um, So I think that's kind of what makes the movie though, honestly, because that is uh, one thing, which by the way, I want to add one thing because I forgot earlier, Charlton Heston and secret secret of the Incas in 1954. If you Google that secret of the Incas, 1954, the outfit he wears in that movie is exactly Indiana Jones's outfit. And they again, just ripped that off. (laughs) <laughs> so you mean the explorer halloween costume is actually charlton heston exactly Adams? exactly that's what oh. Dalton said that it, it reminded me i was like oh you know what actually charlton heston kind of got there first did you just <clears throat> but, did you um, just like glasses push actually me <laughs> actually um yes um, I did. actually but no you're right it's kind of like uh you know when a band covers a song and now that's their ba- that's their song. Yep. No one knows who originally did it, you know? Uh, <laughs> and that's pretty much what this movie is, you know? Uh, so, yeah, let's see. Uh, Kareem, what, what kind of final thoughts do you have, Kareem? 
well, <clears throat> basically, I mean, we've touched over some of the flaws that the movie had that wouldn't fly today. You know, the lack of diversity. Um, we didn't touch over this, but the fact that, you know, Marion and Indiana had a previous relationship back when she was 16 and he's 10 years older than her. <laughs> oh, um, that kind of stuff that wouldn't fly today. But it's still got to be one of my favorite action movies. And yeah, nostalgia plays a large part in that. And you got to kind of watch it with those uh, nostalgia colored glasses on to be able to enjoy it. But it's this nostalgia allows us to overlook the movie's faults. But at its core, it's still a really good movie. You look at the practical effects that we talked about earlier. They're still looking good. And honestly, knowing that they're practical and not CGI, which everything is, like you talked about earlier, Dalton, it just allows you to forgive some of the effects, not being as knowing that if we made it today, oh, well, that would look practically like there really were ghosts. But in the end, watching Raiders of the Lost Ark is still just a good time. Great, great, Crane. Uh, so, Dalton, what, what kind of final thoughts do you have before we close out? I have said my piece. Well, well said. Period. End of story. It's done. No. Um, I mean, what, what, what can be said? Like, uh, I, I've always loved this movie. Um, I will continue loving this movie despite its flaws. Uh, which, I mean, to be fair, there, there aren't many actual flaws. The only flaws are the ones that you have to, you have to like dig for. Um, you have to, you have to put this movie under a microscope and, uh, to, to, and dissect it on a, like a, a cold slab in order to to find so many faults with it, uh, if you're if you're viewing it as intended, which was which is like with with popcorn, uh, with friends and family, uh, just having a good time, it's not going to matter. This this is the quintessential adventure film. Uh, fight me, uh, and. Like, I don't know if there has been another one quite like it. Uh, it just it, even in spite of the the other Indiana jo- Jones movies that came after it, I think that this one is the quintessential adventure movie, and I don't think that we've had one quite like it since. So, hmm. uh, and, and if you guys don't agree with me, you know, put it put it in the comments. We'll fight about it. Don't at me. No, uh, do well at said. Me. No, at him on that. Uh, yeah. Yes, please, please, please at Dalton. Uh, and actually, you know, um, where can let's go ahead and run this down uh, since it's a good timing for it. Where can uh, folks find y'all um, on Twitter, Instagram? What's your socials that you might want to plug, Kareem? Um, well, my social media is most of it all under nonlinear girl, with the exception of Twitter, because someone else has that handle. It's nonlinear girl with a zero. Mm, okay. In the, instead of an O. 
Um, also, my Facebook, my Instagram, those are all under Nonlinear Girl. Okay, cool. Dalton, where can people at you? Uh, let's see. Well, I hang out mostly on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is sword underscore gaijin. Uh, I post all my uh, cosplay stuff on there, including Indiana Jones, if you haven't seen it. Um, <laughs> it, it is pretty good. It's a pretty good Indiana Jones. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm sad that I didn't get all the pictures back from that set because there were some really good, like, joke ones that i did in there but uh mm-hmm. but yeah sword underscore gaijin uh and then for facebook i believe you you, you can still you can still at me at sword underscore gaijin and then if you're more interested in any of my other projects like my novels or whatever or my writing uh then you can just look me up under uh Dalton and McKay. Okay, great. And you know, also uh, these these guys uh, and gals, uh, their their socials can be found on fictionfile.com under our staff page. Uh, so feel free to check that out if you were not able to catch uh, the names that they gave out there. But um, you know, Corinne, for the folks at home, uh, let's who have not seen this or maybe want to watch it tonight for you know the upteenth time uh where can where can you find raiders of the lost ark streaming well raiders is included with your netflix subscription and that's the only place that's streaming it right now you know for all your subscription services but it is available to rent on amazon for 3.99 and most other places that allow you to buy movies digitally like voodoo and the google play store will also have it and it looks like it's around 15 bucks to buy the movie digitally now naturally you should already own a blu-ray of it but i'm not shaming anyone here yeah oh all right uh, well I, i almost forgot to tell my story so okay okay Wait, it, it, real quick before, uh, before you said we, your piece i know i know uh i lied so uh so my, my story so basically i went to go see kingdom of the crystal skull in cosplay um because i was super excited about the movie and then uh sat through the movie walked out and like i heard this this couple behind us and the the guy the 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 girl was like man that wasn't that wasn't great and then the guy was like yeah i'm really disappointed but you know who's more disappointed than i am <laughs> this guy and then he just points at me and <laughs> wow <laughs> and i looked at him and i was like you're not wrong oh my god well, I mean, that's a positive that can be said for Crystal Skull. It brings uh-huh. people together. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you should have just said, you know what? I'm actually cosplaying as Charlton Heston. Oh, yeah. And uh, Secret of the Incas. Hey, bring so it I'm up. Okay. He can save yeah. that for Indiana Jones 5. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because oh, no. it will not be great. Uh, all right. Well, have you said your piece, Dalton? Was that, no, we're, we're that good, was we're a good. great story? Oh, I'm done. Thank I'm you good. so much Thank for you. that story, actually, because that was pretty funny. Uh, I love embarrassing stories about you. Uh, and thank you. <laughs> uh, thank there you, are Kareen. many. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Kareen, for all your uh, 
information and details there. Um, so, all right, everybody, I think that's it for this installment of the Fiction File podcast. Uh, I want to invite you to fictionfile.com for more scintillating analysis like you heard today. And uh, don't forget to rate us if you like today's episode and subscribe to make sure you don't miss the next episode. Until then, I want to thank you for spending a little story time with us today. And for Dalton McKay and Kareen Asbell, this is Jason Boyd and the Fiction File family wishing you a happily ever after. Thank you.